growing up was you know was really difficult and was really tough in many regards for me uh you know in in school it was a challenging experience in fact uh you know my first name my first name has a sore spot for me uh because someone with that same name uh that same name for the majority of my high school experience bullied me you know how many of you know that bullying is a reality Bullying is a sad reality and in many regards and in many cases, uh, people just don't like those who are different. And, you know, as a result, bullying is a related, bullying results in many regards to suicide and people who decide, and I don't mean to trigger anybody, and if you are having any of those sorts of thoughts, we encourage you uh, to make sure that you reach out and seek professional help, or even let us know, and we will connect you. We will connect you with uh, help, because how many of you know we believe in Jesus and therapy? Come on, somebody. I know that churches don't say that type of stuff. People just, you just want us to shut about a Honda, and then they leave, and no, no, no. Sometimes you need to sit down and talk it out with somebody. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that the Holy Ghost can fill therapists too? Okay. And more and more people are starting to realize, man, that all of this, the taboo that's around these things. Yes, let's pray. Uh, but sometimes we do need to talk through things. So if you're in that position, I encourage you. Uh, you know, but growing up for me, it was difficult. I, I, like I said, I grew, up in, I grew up in the hood. I went to a private school, however, my, that my parents busted tail for me to be able to have that education and so sometimes you know because money was tight they were doing their best they did everything they could you know and if my pants got ripped because you know some of y'all aren't familiar with that uniform life come on and if the pants would rip sometimes I would you know we wouldn't have money to get another pants so they would just grand would just have to sit, stitch it up you don't know about that sewing ministry and it would have to last until some more bread would come to make stuff happen right and so people, they just, they, they would make fun. I remember one time I bought these shoes. I thought they were so cool. You know, I thought they were the coolest shoes. They were steel toe shoes. And, you know, I just was, I was just excited about the fact that they had some steel in the front, you know. Wasn't as focused on if they fit properly and all of that. And so because of the way that they were and because I was super MAGA and all of that, uh, skinny for those who wonder what MAGA means, and my foot what just couldn't fit properly in the boot it was made for you know someone with a wider foot and so they looked like clown shoes because the front was bulging the thing and so they made fun of me because of that come on somebody and this guy man i mean this guy he literally would do stuff like just walk up to me in the hall and just kick me in front of everyone i'll never forget one of the most embarrassing the most embarrassing things that happened to me by this individual is we were in a convention, even in a church environment. We were in a church convention and I was going up the escalator into where all of the people were. And as I'm going up the escalator into where all the people are, by the time I got to the top and he saw my tie and he was just like, oh, that looks like somebody vomited on your shirt. And everybody is laughing and all this stuff. And I mean, it was just horrid. I hated going to school. I could he, it just it was just such a horrid experience. You know, man, I'm telling you, if Jesus didn't tell me to love bullies, I just cannot stand people who bully. And in many regards, they bully because they're haters. You know, 
How many of you know that bullies are people that in many regards, you know, they either are scared uh, themselves and this is the way that they emote and do what they do to try and act like they are something that they're not. And many of us fall in the traps of, you know, of, of this persona and this way that they present themselves. And so anyway, man, this was a very difficult thing for me. And I'm grateful. I thank the Lord that all the things that people said about me and the stuff they made. Listen, man, I'm telling you, they used to make fun of me, call me all sorts of names i couldn't get a girl look at the beautiful one that i got y'all y'all aren't making y'all aren't serious today i think they yo nobody's ever gonna like you and all this stuff whatever no we are celebrating 15 years of marriage next month don't play games glory to our god and I want to encourage someone who's being bullied today. Like, don't, listen, man, do not allow that person, the person or the people who are saying what they're saying to hinder you from realizing that you were fearfully, in other words, carefully and wonderfully made by God. Yeah. And God did not put you here by mistake, even if your parents said you were a mistake. I want to let somebody understand and know that God, like I told you last week, there's no oops, saith the Lord in scripture. God put you here with a purpose. Come on, somebody. And how many of you know, because sometimes some of the biggest bullying happens in church. Uh, Y'all don't want me to be real today. In the place where people should be able to connect, where people, I mean, it's crazy because I'll never forget one of the first things that someone asked me uh, when it is that we started this church going on five years ago in January. <laughs> I'm sorry, yo. I'm just excited, yo. The church is doing, God is doing incredible stuff. Some people don't make it one year. Come on, somebody. Are y'all looking around at what's happening in the middle of this pandemic? I mean, are you? Okay. I'm not going to dance today. I'm not going to dance, but we'll just, you know, the horns will do. So look, though, you know, it's incredible because one of the things that people ask me, and they're just like, fam, you know, uh, some people that came and visited the church, and they were like, people, the people that we invited, they wanted to know, like, are they really that nice? And it was just weird to me because it's like, why is it an anomaly for church folk to be nice? Why is it weird? Why is it like you have to second guess whether it's, you know, whether it's fake or real? Like those people holding the signs, do they really care? Do you know that people's lives are changed because of the parking lot ministry? Oh, can we just celebrate the parking lot ministry? Come on. I tell people, before they hear a preach, they see a sign. Listen, somebody, if the parking lot sucks, don't matter what I say. They've already determined before they hear a preach or a song whether or not they're coming back to church. And our parking lot, they are on assignment. Come on, man. When they say welcome home, they mean it. There are people who are part of this family because of a welcome home. And so anyway, man, bullying sucks in church. It should, it's the antithesis of the heart of God. It is the opposite of God's plan. And so it's important for us as church folks with all these cliques. Come on, somebody. We don't have blood of crypt. Uh, we don't have bloods and crypts here, but we got all sorts 
of gangs and people that that gang up on people and make fun or or poke fun at people because they're not where you are or because of how they look I can't tell you how many situations have popped up and people come run crying to this church because of things that have transpired in other environments where they were looked down upon or where they were judged or bullied or they were stopped at the door and my thing is it's like where else are they supposed to go to receive and experience Christ come on somebody if we're blocking them from the place that's supposed to have healing and deliverance and breakthrough where are they gonna go if we block them yet we wonder why people do not experience life transformation listen man I want to jump right into the passage uh, because I'm believing that serve city uh, is going to contribute in a mammoth way to changing the trajectory of the kingdom of the church in our city and I want to inspire our vision our heart is to serve God serve all and inspire others and our heart is that others are inspired including you to live on mission and bring people from the outside so that they can belong and be a part of of God's family are you at Acts chapter 8 yeah. Acts chapter 8 and you know I want us to jump in uh, from verse 26 here's a powerful passage and I want you to grab this Bible says now an angel of the Lord said to Philip said to who yeah. Philip rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza this is a desert place and he rose and went and there was an Ethiopian. Somebody say an Ethiopian. Oh, I love seeing Africa in the Bible. Come on, somebody. He says an Ethiopian, a eunuch. We'll deal with that in a second. A court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said, somebody say the spirit said. The spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. I love this. I love this because we see an angel led and the spirit said. Come on. Now, beat this, beat this, beat this. I want you to note this because uh, the fact is that angels, the Bible says, are ministering spirits. According to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, to Hebrews rather chapter 1. Somebody say Hebrews chapter 1. Angels are ministering spirits, verse 14, that they are sent to aid uh, the people of God or those who will inherit salvation. And so angels, messengers of God that go. And so the journey starts with an angel, an angel of the Lord saying to Philip to go, uh, rise and go towards the south. And so it gives direction and command. And then we find that there is this Ethiopian and then the spirit of the Lord. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost tells him, go and catch himself up to this chariot. He tells him this, go over and join to this chariot. This is powerful. Here's point number one for you. Uh, because how many of you know that when it comes to be people belonging and us playing a pivotal role, if you missed uh, part one and two of this series, I want you to go and I want you to watch it uh, on our YouTube channel so you can get caught up. But God wants to use us to bring people from the outside. He wants us to bring people who may have been bullied or may be hurting or may be halt and outside and bring them from the outside. But in order to do this, here's point number one for you. So I say point number one. Here it is. We've got to listen to God's leading and follow his directions. Somebody say that with me. Say I've got to listen to God's leading and follow his directions. So Philip had, 
imagine when the angel showed up and says, go south. If Philip's like, nah, fam, I don't want to. I actually have a barber's appointment. You know, a man said, first of all, yo, if an angel ever showed up to me, fam, like that, I don't even know what, like who, I don't know what I would do. I'm going to listen in that moment. But what if, what if that happened and he did not listen? He did not head south. How many of us often are heading north when God says go south? We're fleeing to Tarshish. Come on, somebody. When God said go to Nineveh. I wonder if I have any Bible readers. And so the assignment, the assignment is imperative for you. Sometimes you think that when God told you randomly to go to Starbucks today, and watch this, you were going to Starbucks, and I wonder if anybody, if this has ever happened to anyone other than me, God told you, uh, you were planning to go to the Starbucks at, uh, at right there at Liverpool and Bailey, and God says, no, I want you to go to the one uh, down there, the one over by, uh, by, by Kingston Road and 401. Come on, somebody. And it's like, you're like, but why, God? This one is right here. And oftentimes you don't realize that God is trying to set you up. Come on, somebody. He's trying to set you up. You never know it. I, I wonder if I have any witnesses. He'll put you in position. Come on, somebody. To use you to call people from the outside. And when you think he's just telling you to do something that does not make sense. How many of you know his ways are not your ways? Come on. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And oftentimes it might not make sense to you. But he has a plan beyond what you can understand. Some of y'all don't think that God can talk to you. Some of you don't think that it's possible. I want you to write this down. Uh, John chapter 10. What book did I say? I'm not going to go there now, but John 10. And I want you to write this 27 and 28. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And so sometimes God speaks. It's not always an audible voice. But oftentimes it's a knowing in your spirit. Because you're wondering, how do I hear this? Sometimes you hear this in your heart or you feel some, some people say, I sense or I, you know, and, and something of this nature. It might be someone that he senses. Right now, God is speaking to you, some of you, through me. When you open your word, when you open the Bible, that is the clearest that God speaks. And everything else you hear, you need to line up with the Bible. Oh my, come on somebody. And so it's important for us to listen to God's leading and not just listen to his leading, uh, but also follow his directions. Because some of you have been hearing, but you haven't been being obedient. God's been wasting his voice. Come on, somebody, on you. Because the fact of the matter is, he's already, some of you, you're praying, God, I need you to do something new for me in this season ahead. And God says, the new thing is for you to go back and do what I told you 10 months ago. Oh, it's awfully quiet. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. Come on, somebody. Because the fact of the matter is that oftentimes the assignment is to go back and do the last thing when we're looking to go forward and do the new thing. Now, I want us to understand. I mean, I remember, have you, have you ever seen one of those Google mobiles? They, they have one time, Merv and I, my father-in-law, we were outside, we were doing some work, and we seen one of these cars going by with a space combobulator on the top. And it was just driving, it was doing the stuff, whatever. And when we researched, it said Google on the side. We realized that it's tracking roads and streets and maps and looking at stuff and whatever. And so when you put stuff in the GPS, uh, the fact of the matter is that when you put it in there and it tells you the ETA and all of that sorts of stuff, it's not having the same perspective of you as you. It can see stuff that you can't see. And how many of us, you put in the, and you know, sometimes, sometimes the maps app is a waste you. I mean, we're just going to say that. But. <laughs> 
But it's awesome because uh, it has a different perspective than you do. And the fact of the matter is that many of us miss our turns and we miss the fact that there's traffic up ahead. You couldn't see the traffic up ahead, but that red line on the maps app tells you that there's something up ahead. And so you might need to take another direction. And many of us, instead of following God's direction, telling us that something's up ahead, we oftentimes still try to do what we want to do. And then we wonder, we do things God's our way and expect God's results. In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, your mask is not a muzzle. Come on, so say, look down your neighborhood. Tell them, oh, neighbor, don't do things your way and expect God's results. How many things in your life are you doing your way and expecting God's results? Come on. If you don't steward your marriage God's way, how are you expecting godly results? Come on, somebody. If you don't steward your finances God's way, how are you expecting godly results? Do I have a witness in this house on today that understands that God lays out uh, instructions for a reason because he desires for you to experience everything that you need uh, that he designed and his purpose but you can't expect to receive and walk in those things if you do stuff your way. I got to move, I got to move, I got to move. But I want you to understand, you know, the fact of the matter is that we find here in the text, I love this. Somebody say, an Ethiopian. And I love this because there are many people, as I say, and I'm going to say it like a broken record. Because many people think uh, that Christianity only came into Africa through the transatlantic slave trade. And I need to say it for facts so that people can understand that no, here we find before the transatlantic slave trade or anything of this nature, an Ethiopian who ends up receiving the gospel. And this is one of the biggest reasons why we know that the gospel was in Ethiopia. And this is why one of the oldest churches in church history from the 4th century is in Ethiopia. And in fact, I'm more interested in going to Ethiopia to look at Christianity. Come on, somebody. Than I am some other Greco-Roman environments. Y'all don't want to be real with me. I'm not trying to go there today because I'm just, okay, Lord, let me just stay to the text. And so he's an Ethiopian and Baba says he was a eunuch, which meant in many regards that he uh, was unable to have children because uh, his uh, testicular area was either removed or it might have been where he was where it was crushed and so he was a eunuch in this position where he was trusted can we do oh, we got to talk about it because it's, it's in the text and so look but he is in this position where he is conceived and considered as different right he shows up yes aka castration in many regards and so the fact is he is there and he many times the uh, monarchs and people who were queens and all this would put them in positions where they could watch over the women because they wouldn't have the fear that they would impregnate those women. And so they had certain leadership roles uh, because of their position. And this was, uh, they, so they, they landed in this position sometimes by choice or sometimes by things that just happened to them uh, outside of their control. But he's a eunuch in the, and a court official of Candace queen of the Ethiopians and so uh, Candace was a dynastic name of queens the queens of Ethiopia just like for example Pharaoh Pharaoh and so Candace is a queen and uh and she is accompanied by this Ethiopian she is and so he's a court official of Candace queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge he was in charge of all of her treasure and he 
had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, this is nuts. I Just to paint the picture a little bit. Why is this Ethiopian coming to Jerusalem to worship? Why is it there's a feast that's taking place, a Jewish feast, and so in that time they were gathering in Jerusalem for a feast, but why is it that he would do this? I want you to understand that this is a, he made a 1,500 mile journey to come and to worship an African that would do this. Well, uh, you know, the story goes that the Queen of Sheba, somebody say this, Queen of Sheba, Queen of Sheba uh, and Solomon at some point, uh, Solomon went to visit her and he left her some gifts. Come on, somebody. He left her some, not just material gifts, but some other gifts too. And so as a result, when that connection took place, uh, there were children that were born in that African context. And so they ended up being uh, half Jewish and half African children. And so in that moment, it was interesting because you find even there, ironically, there was a there's a documentary on Netflix about this whole thing. And I didn't even know until I was studying and going and looking at this. And so we would find that there are so these uh, these individuals would oftentimes make pilgrimages to Jerusalem to become a part or to embrace or try to discover their Jewish roots. Now, the, the crazy thing about this, are you all still with me? Am I the only nerd in here that likes that type of stuff? I mean, okay. Because I'm like, man, I love history. I love information. People perish for a lack of knowledge. Come on, somebody. I don't want people feeding. I'm not trying to. Anyway, I'm going back to the text. So he goes. He's in charge of the treasurer. Uh, the spirit says, go and join yourself to the chariot. And I think this is nuts because he's there. He goes to worship and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, I want you to understand how crazy this is. He's going to a temple, and I want you to know this. Eunuchs were not allowed to go into the temple. Uh, they're not. You don't believe me? Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. Eunuchs, those whose uh, testicular area is challenged or anything of this nature, they are not allowed to go into the temple because they are considered unclean. So he's different from everybody else. We don't know how he ended up in the position. Can I paint the picture? He don't, we don't know how he ended up there and ended up that way. But somehow he gets in that position and he ends up going. But he has this passion in his heart to go to the temple. And more than likely, as scholars, some scholars believe that when he shows up and he goes there on this pursuit to worship in this environment, that when he shows up, he, they may have said, listen, fam, you are not allowed to come inside. Because people in that position are not allowed to go into the temple. And then we find, pick up the story, we find him. The Bible says he was reading the prophet Isaiah in his chariot. So he's headed back now. He's getting ready. He's reading the, the prophet Isaiah. And while he's reading this, watch this. Bible says that the spirit says to go over to Philip in this chariot. Uh, goes, Philip says... The spirit tells Philip, go and catch himself up to the chariot. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And so he is there. And I want you to imagine this. So what if you were driving down the road on the 401, just so you could paint the picture, and God says to you, I need you to go and pull over that car. I need you to pull up to that car and be like, yo, pull over, fam. 
Just imagine, like seriously, would you be, because when we read these things, we don't really understand. We don't really put it in our understanding or our context. He's saying, go catch yourself up to the chariot. Go and get yourself in this chariot. And when he goes, he's obedient in that moment. He follows the leading of the Lord. And the, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch is reading, he's literally reading about the gospel. He's reading about Jesus being sacrificed for the sins of the world. But he does not understand. And look at what the text says says he invited him to come in and sit with him he says how can i know unless someone gives guides me can i tell you this oh i'm sure that philip could look and see that this was a man of rank more than likely knew that he was a eunuch more than likely knew that he was a little different come on somebody because of the lack of testosterone uh, as a result that was taking place because of what had happened to him but the fact the matter is philip realized that he had to go and if he was going to be one that would show the love of God can I give you uh, can I give you point number two the gospel calls us to love beyond our preference he goes and he says yo this person this is weird this is obzaki this is out of the ordinary this person might look a, a little different come on somebody or whatever the case is but I, the love of God calls me to love beyond my preference come on somebody there are people in your life that you think may be weird or you may think look different come on or you think may be out of the ordinary or, or people you are oftentimes can I tell you that we are got to get to the place where our perception of others is shaped by the gospel and not the bandwagon there are many of us the reason why you won't talk to people is because of what everybody's saying about them when in actuality of oh, so original right the fact is that God has called us to love beyond our preference he has called us to go beyond ourselves to go outside of the things that we like so that we can show the love of God to people who may be seated in their chariot because they're blocked from the temple Come on, somebody. And so I love it. I love it because this is powerful. Can I, can I tell you what else was promised? Because even though eunuchs were not permitted to go into the temple, there was a prophecy by Isaiah, and I love it. And this is for everyone who's bullied and everybody who feels different and everybody who's been kept on the outside because of where, the way you might look or the way what people have been saying about you. I want you to see this. Isaiah 56, verse 3 through 5, Bible says, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people and let not the eunuch say behold I am a dry tree for thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths in the context of the law at that time who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Oh my, the fact is that even though eunuchs, according to the law, were unclean and not allowed to be in the temple, that wasn't the end of the story. Come on somebody, God prophesied through Isaiah that there would come a time where even though they couldn't have children, that there would be, they would be given something even better than children. They would be given an everlasting name as a result of being connected to God. And I want to let somebody know today that I don't know what has kept you on the outside, what people have blocked 
stopped you with? Come on, what has stopped you from being able to encounter the love of God or what makes you feel disqualified? But I want to call you in from the outside. Come on, somebody. I serve a God whose arms are open wide and who is capable of giving you a name. Come on, he is capable of restoring. Somebody ought to be making some noise. Any witnesses in here or online that know that on the inside is love and joy and peace and there's stuff that is in here that our God offers even if people have blocked you before and so gospel calls us to love beyond our preferences and I love this because Philip shows up and he listens come on he listens he doesn't just show up and start talking and you know when it comes to bringing people from the outside how many of you know uh, that the fact of the matter is here it is I want you to give you want to give you point number three effective ministry requires effective listening he doesn't show up and start going off, but he's asking him what's going on. He's listening. He wants to hear. Come on. How many of you know sometimes people need an ear more than they do an answer? Oh, who am I talking to? There are many of you that you think you need to know everything. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes people are not looking for an answer. They're just looking for you to listen well enough. Come on, somebody. Not to back them up and not to charge them up, but to find out how you can better demonstrate the love of God and bring them in from the outside. Who's with me in this place? Effective ministry requires effective listening. James 1.19 says that we've got to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Don't we often do the opposite? And so I love it because there we find that this transpires that he is he he uh, ministers to him. He reads uh, he's reading from Isaiah around the gospel and Philip in verse 35 says then Philip opened his mouth and big at the be beginning with the scripture he told him the good news about Jesus so he preaches to him the gospel when he recognizes that this is an opportunity for him to demonstrate the love of God verse 36 and as they were going together to the road they came to some water and the eunuch said see here is water what prevents me from being baptized and he commands the chariot, come on somebody, to stop. And they both went down in the water. Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. Oh, come on somebody. I love this. And when they came out of the water, the spirit carried Philip away. So he had an assignment directly there. And then he was carried away. Oh, I just want you to understand and to know and to realize that the fact of the matter is that we've got to do everything that we can to be able to bring people from the outside. And some of us overcomplicated. This man just heard the gospel and that was enough for him to be baptized. There's some of you that you have not gone down in the water yet. You hear the call for baptism every Sunday and you're saying, man, pastor, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what I'm doing. I need to be able to work this, this, this and that out in order for to be able to go down in the water. How many of you know? Come on, I hear the song. Just as I am without one plea. Come on, you God doesn't want you to clean yourself up. Come on, somebody before you come to him, he wants you to come to him just. 
just as you are as when you hear this gospel of your salvation that he loved you so much that he came down from earth when he knew that you were a sinner that he lived perfectly because he knew that you couldn't come on somebody and I couldn't and that when he died on the cross he was taking your punishment and my punishment this is what Philip preached to him come on somebody and not only did he die but he went down into the grave and bright and early on Sunday morning anybody excited about it he got up with all power in his hands and he extends this love to each and every single one of us no matter what you've done no matter who you are no matter how they blocked you out or locked you out I want to say welcome home So lastly, last point is the efficacy of the gospel is not based on locale. In other words, he didn't even need to be in the building. Come on, somebody. He was just driving in the road. I, man, I'm believing for some, I'm, I'm just believing for revival to just brock out in this city. Come on, somebody. I mean, where we don't, you know, we don't even have to get to church on Sunday for transformation to take place. I'm believing. Come on, some, I'm believing. Y'all are going to start testifying about demons being cast out in your job. Come on. I believe that some of y'all, oh, y'all don't believe it, do you? Online, I wonder if there's anybody that knows that God can use you to lay hands on the sick in your, in the break room. Come on, somebody. And I'm believing that we're going to hear healing testimonies in the break room. We're going to hear all sorts of stories of transformation because the efficacy of the gospel is not based upon locale and how many of you know especially in this season oh my I want to just bring this plane down for a landing in this season how many of you know you can't rely on a building to, in order to be effective we don't know if we're going to be able to be in here much longer but I tell you what they might be able to stop you from coming to the building but they can't stop the power of the gospel I wonder if there's anybody that says I'm going to live this thing I'm going to live it I'm going to live it like I I believe it I'm gonna live it like it transformed my life I'm gonna live it come on somebody like it brought me from the mick the, the muck and the mire I'm gonna live it until they tag my toe because God has an assignment on our lives to call people from the outside